Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. HomeThreads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets, to snuggle under for family movie nights, or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Hello everyone and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. So I didn't get an episode out last week. I kept trying, but three of the five of us got colds and I thought I was going to be able to avoid it this time, but it finally caught up with me. So I've been a bit under the weather. And of course my voice was very affected last week since the middle of last week. So now I'm probably hearing my voice a little bit, but I'm at a place where I can actually record the episode. So before I get into the question, I do want to give a quick message for parents of older kids. Now, older kids, I mean five and over, maybe six and over. I took a look at the reviews on iTunes the other day. I go back every so often and take a look at those to get some helpful feedback. One of the reviews said that she used to listen a lot, but now her kids are getting older and so the topics don't pertain to her so much anymore. And I totally get that. I do cover a lot of stuff for kids of younger ages, but if you have kids that are in elementary or even tweens and adolescents, I actually worked with tweens and adolescents, and that was my biggest population when I was doing therapy work through the schools and an agency. So I can answer questions about kids of all ages, but I answer what is sent in, and the questions are almost always five and under. But if you have a question about parenting older children, please, please send it in. I also think parents of younger kids like to hear about what's coming up and what to expect down the road too. So it's interesting to everyone. Also, don't forget the website does have classes for kids of all ages, discipline tools for elementary age kids, kids in media, and the things that we're really working on in these school age years, this elementary school age years, like chores and allowance, teaching responsibility, and of course, continuing to build that strong connection through the discipline tools. Also academics, that's when that's really setting in. So the classes on education, about homework, and the other academic topics are also on there as well. So if you have older kids and you're interested in some more information for older kids, you can check those out on the website, yourvillageonline.com. So last week, I only got to the first question, but I also realized that this question also requires some more in-depth help. And I think it's something a lot of parents struggle with with toddlers and preschoolers. So in order to give it the time it deserves, I'm only going to cover this one question today also to get into it a little bit deeper. And that's helping a preschooler, a three, almost four-year-old with her strong emotions and reactions. So 
This question is from Tess, and she wrote, Hello, I have a three-year-old, Evelyn, turning four in a month, and when she has bad days, they are bad. Today has been a rough one. Her cousin was over to play. Many times while playing, she wouldn't share. She wanted everything her cousin had. She has a little sister who's two, so it's not like she's not used to sharing. How can we coach her on sharing? Also today, when she wouldn't get her way, she goes into full, inconsolable tantrums that last 20 to 45 minutes. Earlier in the day, my husband sat her on the couch while she was kicking and hitting and spitting in full tantrum mode and sat with her until she calmed down and then coached her and she came out to play. She was good, still having a hard time sharing until nap time. Her cousin quietly sat in the kitchen table coloring while I put my three-year-old to bed. She was refusing to climb into bed to read books. We have a nap time bedtime routine of three books, three hugs and kisses, and one back rub. She knows the routine. When she refused to go to bed, I tried one, two, three magic and told her if she didn't climb to bed to read, we were just not going to read books. A little harsh, I know. I was hoping she would comply. Joke's on me. When she didn't listen and then lost books, she went into full tantrum mode. While trying to get her to lay down, I did one, two, three magic again and told her if she doesn't lay down, then I'm going to close her door for two minutes. That didn't go well. It seemed like everything I tried fueled the fire. I don't know what to do. We're at a total loss and I feel like nothing we do works. We're very consistent and firm. If we say something, we do it. Thanks for your time. So this is a great question. Great details on this. And so a couple things I'm going to touch on here, and then I'm going to get into some specifics about walking through these scenarios. But the first thing is, and I love Tessa, that when you say something, you do it. Because when we commit to it, when we say it, we really have to follow through because it lets our children know that if I say it, I'm going to do it. Because if we don't, then the next time they think, okay, she doesn't mean it. So that's really good. So if you do it, you commit to it. I know that things can kind of fall apart and a little crazy, but you committed to it. That's awesome. But we also want to think ahead of time, what might the outcome be? Is this going to fuel things up? And if so, am I ready to deal with it? Is this a boundary I really want to set? And if so, go through with it, follow it, know that she's going to have a complete meltdown, know that you're going to help her through the process, move through to the other side so that she's going to learn these skills and move on. If you're doing it because you're really hoping that she's just going to comply and that it's going to be such a big consequence that she's going to just go, okay, we probably shouldn't do it for that reason. So what is the best way to do that? Now, consequences are always an option, but also they're usually a last resort, especially when a child is already struggling emotionally. It's likely not going to go super well. Now, of course, this is just a learning process. We're still learning our children's moods and reactions in toddlerhood because their personalities are just coming out. As a rule of thumb, when a child is already on the brink and struggling with emotional regulation, we want to try to pull them back from that. We want to try to coach them. I can see you're feeling annoyed, frustrated, anxious, whatever word you think fits the moment, about settling in for books right now. Can you tell me about that? This opens up this dialogue for our child to share feelings. Now, at this age, words and streams of thought don't come easily, and so an invitation to be heard can do wonders. Maybe Evelyn would have shared about feeling left out or about wanting to stay up with her cousin or whatever words and vocabulary she would have for sharing that type of feeling. Then with some empathy, she's much more likely to calm down and go along. I understand it feels like you might be missing out. Then you can make a decision about how important the nap is. Spend time just the two of us after dinner or something like I'll get you up by three so you have time to play with your cousin before she leaves. Whatever you think that is that will help connect that emotion and help her feel like she's not missing out or whatever it is that she's feeling. 
Another thing is you could offer some choices about what books. So you're pulling out some more positive discipline tools. Let's choose the books. Why don't you pick two books? But if after the coaching, the choices, the positive discipline, you run through those and she's still pushing back and you still know that the app is necessary for everyone's best interest and you need to set that boundary tight, then you can lay down the consequence. And one, two, three magic is basically a consequence. And know that a meltdown may ensue and you're going to buckle up and stay the course. And one, two, three magic is a great tool, but it's a really great tool when kids are just kind of fooling around being silly and doing something we know they shouldn't be doing. So just playing around on the table, I need you to get off the table by the time I count to three, that kind of thing. But when they're starting to push those emotional boundaries, it might not always be the best tool in that moment unless you really just need to set that boundary. And sometimes we do, and that's okay. And just be ready for what's gonna come afterwards. So I'm going to go through this scenario. Oh, the other thing I want to mention also is I think what may have been happening in this instance in particular is that there was probably a fear of missing out. So the cousin is over. The cousin gets to stay up and she's at the table. She's coloring. She's hanging out with her mom, meaning your daughter's mom, you, and she has to go take a nap. And that's really hard, that fear of missing out in that time. So I have a feeling this is why this ratcheted up so intensely. And so you may want to think about in the future, are you going to have the cousin over when she has to take a nap? Are you going to have cousin go home first? Are you going to have her skip the nap that day and just deal with the tiredness later? You may want to find another way around that, just knowing that that's probably the reason behind this particularly tough day. Okay, so I want to talk about three, in this case, three, almost four sharing and empathy and what you can expect and then how you're going to coach and teach about sharing. So first, three-year-olds are not great at sharing. They start to get it around three for some, and I know you said she was sharing with her sibling, but this is going to be touch and go. But most are around three and a half to four before they start to get the concept of sharing a little bit better. And they don't get really adept at it until around five or so. Even after that, some squabbles and struggles will still likely come up from time to time. And I'm going to get into this in a minute about why this sharing isn't happening earlier, why there's certain developmental things that have to happen first before kids get better at sharing. So I'm going to talk about that in a second. But I also want to just take a mention here about extra stressors or reasons for struggles with emotions. So some kids are going to struggle a lot with emotions just anyway, but when there's extra stressors like being tired, overstimulated, hungry, long days, that kind of thing, schedule changes, and of course the bigger life changes, which are not necessarily true in this case, but in other cases, if you have a toddler or preschooler and there's big life changes, those are gonna really ratchet up emotions and just understand that those are gonna cause extra stressors and it's gonna take some time to work through those and get into the new normal, whether it's a move or a new baby, those types of things. And they also will make younger children more irritable and prone to outbursts. And so in this case, it was because the cousin was over most likely and the cousin's a little older, so she got to stay up and, and Evelyn had to go take a nap and she was not happy about that at all. So I think that was a little extra reason for her that day. So in the class on your developing preschooler, I cover all areas of development, what's normal, red flags, ways to support development. But when it comes to sharing, this falls under social development. So there's steps parents can do to help ease their child into the concept of sharing. Before I go into these steps, I wanna give some background. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. 
In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories, including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. So like I said, age is important. Any age under three is not likely to be very fruitful for teaching sharing. This is because before three, children are still developing the sense of self. This starts around nine months and it really goes all the way through up until about three. I am a separate person from everyone else. I have my own needs and my own wants. And so this is why during that age, you start to hear a lot of me, my, and mine. You'll start to hear that around 18 months to two a lot. And so they're really exercising this independence, this sense of self. And so this is going to go for a while up through the twos and starting age three. Around age three is when the sense of the other and understanding of the other starts to develop. So first they could develop a strong sense of self. Then as they work through that, then they start to understand the other. So we get to three, we're starting to understand the sense of the other, the other's feelings. And this is why empathy will start to develop around age three, but isn't fully complete until around the age of nine or 10. So this is just coming on board and they're realizing people 
other people have feelings and those feelings may be different from my feelings. And then they start to read and interpret others' facial expressions and others' expression of emotions. And this is a developing process through those years. Now, also remember that all kids develop different skills at different ages. So just like one child, it might be walking at nine months really early and another is going to be at the later end at 18 months. The same thing is going to be true for these social emotional skills. One child may be closer to the middle to the end of twos and they're already starting to share. They're already starting to develop some empathy and this can happen early. Now this is rare, but it does happen. And then there might be another who just turns four and is still really struggling with this concept. And I don't wanna say struggle. What I wanna say is they're still developing this concept. So they seem later than their peers, which they are, but chances are they're earlier in developing other skills than their peers because they're just all gonna kind of unfold in their own time. But we can work with them on that because all kids are gonna struggle with something. So wherever your child is struggling, you can work with your child on that particular area. If your child has a toy that is very special to him or her, it's okay to have a few toys, one or two toys that they don't have to share. So if those toys that your child doesn't want to share, like their favorite stuffed animal or a very special truck that they rarely put down, then you want to set that up for success. So the toy stays home from play dates or in the car, or if they want their lovey for security while they warm up to a new situation, it's fine, but they need to be sure to give it to you when they're ready to join the other kids in play so that it's not just sitting there on the side and another child picks it up and starts playing with it. Now, this may look like a ratty old bear or a chunk of wood with chipped paint to you and I, but to your child, this is their Ferrari. And you wouldn't let just anyone drive your Ferrari, or at least, I wouldn't. I don't think most of us would. So it's like this big obnoxious dude you've never met with a beer in his hand comes up to you at a party and says, that's a sweet car. Mind if I take it for a spin? Uh, yeah, I do. This is how your child feels when some random child grabs their special bear or truck or whatever it is. They don't know if this kid is going to pull its arms off or drop it in the mud or what. So they're likely going to lose it. So you just want to set it up for success and protect this special toy. But for other toys, whether they're your child's toys or that she brought or toys that are out at the play date and you want to help your child learn and understand the concept of sharing, here's what you want to do. You first want to introduce the concept of turn-taking. Now you're doing this at home on your own with your child. You're not going to try to do this at the party, what I'm about to go through, the scenario I'm about to go through. At the party, you can work with your child in a different way, but you're gonna work on this at home. So first of all, as early as age two to three, you can start practice with turn-taking. Now these are best done through movement activities and games. This way they aren't starting off with a physical object, trying to share a physical object, but they're taking turns doing something and getting attention for doing something. So things like a hopscotch type game. Now maybe not that complicated because two to three year olds are probably not gonna have the physical ability to do the hopscotch, but a simplified version or a simple physical task for a two to three year old, like walking across a beam type object like a log or a parking berm or a, a low concrete planter. So having kids take turns doing that or taking turns doing that with your child. Jumping from letters A to B to C that's written in chalk on a sidewalk. So you can do this with a play date or with a friend or with a sibling. You can also do this and make it so that it's just challenging enough for your child's physical development. So it's a fun way, but not too hard. So what's great about these types of activities is that they develop physical, cognitive, and social skills all at the same time. So physically, they're learning to 
the physical skills of jumping from one letter to the other or walking on that berm. Cognitively, they're learning about the letters and the order of the letters. And the social skills are the taking turns. They're learning to take turns. So you're getting a lot in in one particular play. Also going to the park and sliding down the slide. We're taking turns sliding down the slide. These are all great things for both physical and social skills all at the same time. So you can play these games with your child or you can do it as part of a play date, like I said, with some other friends over with a sibling if you have an older sibling that can help a younger sibling with it. Also, the game Hullabaloo is a really fun turn-taking physical game that's good for kids ages three to four. So these are all some ways to introduce your toddlers and preschoolers to turn-taking. If you have a child who's struggling with the turn-taking, you want to practice and coach it at home every day. So you want to think of yourself as your child's social coach. Just as if you were teaching math or how to do a household chore, teaching social skills is no different. One of the ways to work on teaching sharing is to play with toys your child really likes. So let's say your child really has this zoo set that she really, really likes. And she has all these toy animals and she likes to set up the zoo with different things, the animals, Duplo or block sets. And you know your daughter really likes the giraffe best. So when you play, you want to pick up the giraffe and comment something like, I really like this giraffe because she's got pretty eyelashes. So I'm going to start with the giraffe. Now your daughter will likely want the giraffe right away, not only because you have it, but now you've commented about how cool the giraffe is. So you want to first coach her how to properly ask for a turn. Then when she does that, you want to say, I see you would like a turn with the giraffe, but since I picked it up first, it's my turn first. You can have a turn in and you want to give an amount of time you think your child can wait and not get too frustrated, but kind of pushes just a little bit, pushes her to be patient for her turn. So if it's one minute, you can start with that. If it's two minutes, start with that. Then you can proceed to play. Help her find another animal that she can start with to play with. And then when you can tell she's getting frustrated and it's pushing her to the brink, you don't want her to get upset. You don't want her to start to go over the edge because then you can't just hand the toy over because then she's feeling like she got rewarded for starting to lose her cool. So you want to do it before she gets too frustrated. If the two minutes aren't quite up, that's okay. You can go ahead and give her the turn and positive feedback. You're being very patient waiting for your turn. So I'm going to use the elephant now and let you have a turn with the giraffe. Now, as you do this, you'll stretch out the length of the turn over time. And this will build practice, build patience with the turn taking. Once a child has the turn taking down, that's when the sharing, the collaborative play can start to come more on board, where kids are just sort of handing each other different toys. Here, you do this. You do, Oh, you want this? Great. Oh, I'm going to do this. And they get better with the collaborative play once the turn taking gets down. In addition, you can also work on teaching empathy and the skills for emotional development. So these skills will support all positive social skills and interactions with family and friends. Now I'm going to get into how to help coach and teach to develop better emotion skills. Because once this foundation for emotion skills is set up, then you can work on the social skills piece of it. Positive ways for sharing frustrations rather than meltdowns that you're currently experiencing now. So it's important to mention that several things come to play here. And one of the things is a lot of how our child naturally react and deal with situations. And this is due to their temperament. So temperament traits are inborn and there's many things we can do. In every trait, there's positives and not so positives about each trait. So we're going to 
focus on those positive ends of the trait, and we're gonna help shape them on the negative ends of the trait so they can be more flexible in certain areas. Now, not just our child's temperament, but also our own colors every exchange we have with them. So for this reason, I do consider this information on the temperament class to be one of the most important ones I have. So if you wanna learn more about your child, yourself, your spouse, how to guide your child based on all nine of their temperament traits, that class is on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the health and development section. So when children are struggling with these social skills, this is the outward expression of their emotions. Their social skills are how they're expressing their underlying emotions. So are they hitting, kicking, thrashing, or are they taking a few deep breaths to calm down and using words to share their frustrations? If they're hitting, kicking, grabbing, pinching, these types of things, it means they're struggling with the underlying emotion skills. So this is where we need to start. This is where they need our help. They need help recognizing their emotions first, and only then can they learn the social skills to share them more appropriately next. So certain temperament types will have a harder time with this and will need more coaching than others. But just understanding that will help you to work with your child in that context to be more patient. So let's just say you have a really persistent child. You can help your child find other ways to exercise their persistence so that it doesn't need to be expressed so much, so frequently, so intensely in these moments of frustration. And the temperament class, again, goes into details on just how to do that, along with other ways to work with your child as an individual in their unique personality traits. So how are you going to build a strong emotional foundation? You do a lot of work around teaching emotions, and there's three times that we can work on these skills. You can work on it in the moment, while they're calming down, when they're completely calm, during a time that is not connected to any of the meltdown. You want to teach during all three of these times, but the way you approach it in each of these times is going to be very different. And the class on tantrums covers the steps of what to do during each of these different times. But the best time to teach emotion skills is when kids are already calm. Just any time throughout the day when they are calmly playing or calmly going about their business. This is when they take hold the most. But of course... With that said, you can't always ignore an outburst while it's happening, especially in instances where there's physical aggression or a potential that property is going to get damaged, such as throwing toys. So you still want to address it in those other times, but it's going to take hold the most when they're already calm. So here are some things you want to do during the times of calm to build the emotion skills. You want to talk about emotions throughout the day your emotions, your child's emotions, and even other people's emotions. You want to talk about all the emotions, not just the negative ones. So when something good happens or when you're feeling good, you want to talk about that too. Same thing with your child or other people. You could say, I'm so excited. We're going to visit your cousins tomorrow. Or I'm so disappointed. My dinner with my friend was canceled for tonight. I was really excited to see her. For your child, you could say, you seem really happy we get to go to the park today, or you seem frustrated that your block tower fell over, or when it comes to other people, that lady looks sad, I wonder why, or that man seemed very happy we held the door for him, and you want to talk about these, why do people seem sad, why do people seem happy, what makes you frustrated, what makes you sad, what makes you excited, and then help your child give it, grow a language around this. You can play games about emotions. One of the games is the silly faces game. Show me your surprised face. This is my surprised face. Show me your sad face. Show me your happy face. Show me your mad face. 
Now, in the tantrums class, we have a handout with a bunch of faces on it. It's got like 15 different emotions. And I used this with my kids when they were younger to choose the emotions and mix them all up. And you can grow their vocabulary for emotions over time because there's so many emotions and so many nuances to them. And you can really start to grow their emotional vocabulary as they get older and start to understand the different nuances of this. Now, we always finished the game with show me your silliest face. You can read books about emotions, and there are so many great books about emotions, like Todd Parr's The Feelings Book, When Wembley Worried, Alexander and the Very Bad, No Good, Something Day. That's a really good one, too. You can do a search for books about emotions for toddlers or preschoolers on Google or Amazon. You'll come up with tons of them. Also, the classes on tantrums and your developing toddler and preschooler have a list to print out the ones I found to be most highly rated and most interesting for my kids as well. And if you are interested in checking out any of these classes, getting the printouts, trying them all out to get some more details on how to handle these situations, including uh, during the moment and then as they're calming down in the tantrums class and all the other tips and tools and games that you can play around emotions for the You're Developing Preschool, You're Developing Toddler classes, as well as helping your child with anger, you can go to the website for the free trial at yourvillageonline.com slash free dash trial. So you can try any of the classes out for seven days and get access to all of that. Again, you can go to yourvillageonline.com slash free dash trial to try them all out for seven days. And for any parents, which is probably pretty much all of you with kids in this age range who are dealing with lots of meltdowns, emotional outbursts, the tips I shared today are good to get you started on building those emotion skills. So I thought I'd give a quick update for those who've been asking about what we've been up to and asking about my race updates. I know I haven't shared anything for quite a while, I don't think. So if you're interested, hang out. If you're not, awesome. I'm not offended. (laughs) And hopefully you learned some great stuff today about working with toddlers and preschoolers with some big emotions and big reactions. So for me and us, Next weekend, I'm taking my oldest son to his last championship meet while he's still in the 9-10 age group. He moves up to the 11-12s in less than two weeks. This means I officially have a tween. It's just, oh, it's crazy. He was burning out on swimming again. He was going to take another break, which was fine. He said he wanted to, but he said he wanted to do this meet. So I said, if he does the meet, he has to commit to practice until the meet. He also wanted to do volleyball, so we've done some volleyball, pulled back on some swimming. He's doing volleyball twice a week now, but I'm not sure if he's enjoying it as much as he thought he would because he now says he doesn't want to take a break from swimming, so I don't know. This kid, in and out, in and out, can't decide. As for me, I'm taking it easy this year. We have a lot of things coming up this year, and I'll share later as they become more pertinent throughout the year, but I pulled back on my races, so I'm only planning on doing one half Ironman race this year. That's the swim bike run, the 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike, and the half marathon run. That's not till October. My sister wanted to do the Ventura half marathon that's coming up in a couple weeks. So she and her family are coming out. So her, her husband, and I are all going to do that race together. What's fun for me now is that a half marathon is now just a half marathon. It's really just a training day for me. And it's been a long time since I've had this kind of endurance and fitness, probably 18 years or so. So I'm really excited to go into this run and just not feel like I'm dying at the end and like I'm having to limp along for those last two or three miles. I think I'll be able to do that this time and hold my pace. I'm excited. The kids are really loving their new school. This was a great move for them. 
the project-based learning, the freedom to engage in projects that interest them. And then they're able to go above and beyond the basic learning in ways and aspects that interest them. So they have been incredible for their engagement in the learning process. And, you know, they were all so brave to give it a try and leave their friends and move to a new school. I'm really, really proud of them. So overall, life is pretty fun, pretty exciting, pretty dynamic here in the Azerlant household. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.